hello again, everyone, and I'm going to invite you, if you have a Bible or device, to turn to John chapter 8, and we'll get there in just a few moments. And I uh, want to mention before we begin that following this service in the fellowship hall just ad adjacent to the auditorium, um, there will be a time of prayer for what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, we're saddened by that, and we invite you to join us for a short time of prayer in the fellowship hall uh, after the service. Well, if you're new with us, again, welcome uh, today, and we are going through the book of John, and today we are coming to one of the famous statements of Jesus. He says that if you hold to my truth, then you really are my disciples, then the truth, did I, say, did I say that right? Sorry. If you hold to my word, then you really are my disciples, then the truth will set you free. Jesus has a vision for your life. He has a vision for the life of your children, for all of us. And his vision is that we would hold his truth, his word, and that we then would find ourselves free to live life the way that it was meant to live, to be lived. That we'd be free from worry, that we'd know more of his presence, free from uh, being feeling unloved, free from... Uh, lacking hope, free from lacking peace, that he would be all of those things to us. And so that's what we're talking about today, that you living life the way God wants you to live it. However, he's also going to talk to us about a battle that we must engage in. Wouldn't it be nice just to press a button and be full of hope, full of love, full of joy, full of peace? But no, he says, if you're going to experience that freedom to be all of that, You've got to go to battle. And so we're going to talk about this battle today that we must face daily if we are to live life to its fullest. So that's where we'll begin John chapter 8. And may God speak to you today that you are not only aware of the battle, but you're engaged in it. So John chapter 8, and Jesus is going to talk to us about this freedom. Starting verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed." I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Jesus says, if you hold to his truth. The word hold means to embrace. It means to uh, be filled up, that you would be filled up with his word, his teaching, and that you'd be controlled by it. His word, his teaching is not only what we would say, you know, is in red in our Bibles, but it is the Bible itself. Because if you were here last week, all of the Bible, of the, the word of God, is really the word of Christ. It's all about him. So if you are controlled by, filled up by Jesus' word, then you will know the truth and you'll be set free. So let's talk for a moment about truth. What is truth that Jesus is talking about? 
Truth is that which corresponds to reality. If after service I went up, uh, climbed up the steps, and I was up on the steeple, um, and I said to you, um, I'm going to, to jump from the steeple, and I'm going to fall and hit the ground, and I do that, then what I'm saying corresponds to reality. It's a true statement. If I say I'm going to jump from the steeple, but I'm going to hover, and I didn't know if you know this, but I can fly, and I jump, but I don't hover, and I fall to the ground, that is an untrue statement. Untruth or lies are, are, are those things that don't correspond to reality. So Jesus is claiming here that his word is reality. What's true is his word. The Bible is true. But not only that, we're going to learn this in a couple of weeks, that he makes the claim that he is truth itself. Not only what he says is true, but I am truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, I'm truth. I'm the reference point for all that is true. If it doesn't correspond to me, it's a lie. It's an untruth. I want to remind you, again, that either Jesus rose from the dead and every single word he says is true, or Jesus didn't rise from the dead and he's speaking lies. It's either true and means everything, or it's lies and it doesn't mean anything. C.S. Lewis said it this way, if Christianity, or if all these claims of Christ, if Christianity is false, it is of no importance. If Christianity is true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. You either believe and it's true, or you don't believe and it's not true. You either say, Jesus, you're telling me the truth, you are my life, or Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. And if, if it's not true, can I encourage you not to come to church next Sunday or any other Sunday? Can I encourage you not to give a penny to the cause of Christ? Can I encourage you to live how you want to live? Because if it's not true, it's of no importance. Well, if we say Jesus is the truth, he says he's the truth, and his word is truth, um, uh, we have to ask a question. What about all the other religions? What about all the other claims? That's pretty arrogant, isn't it? You're excluding lots of things. But we need to understand that any truth claim is exclusive. So if I were to say to you, there is no such thing as truth, absolute truth, it's all relative, I'm excluding people that believe that there is. If I say to you, all the religions are the same, I'm excluding people who don't believe all religions are the same. All truth claims are exclusive, and either Jesus is telling us the truth, or he isn't. So Jesus is saying, there is something outside of your experience that is objective truth, absolute truth, and it's me and my word. And he says, then, if you fill yourself up with me and my word, you'll find yourself free, free from sin, free to live the life you're meant to live. Now, we've mentioned this before, but this is so important to understand, is that our beliefs, our collection of ideas, what we believe is true or false, our beliefs affect our behavior 
and they shape what we become. So what you are going to become a year from now, if, if God should tarry, a year from now, five years from now, is connected to what you believe. Do you believe Jesus is the truth? Because that's going to affect you. It's going to shape you. Now, Jesus is speaking to some people who believed in him. They're speaking in the crowd. He's speaking to some people that didn't believe in him. And there were some were saying, we believe, but they really weren't his disciples. And Jesus speaks to those that don't believe in him, and he says to them, yes, I agree that you're from the line of Abraham. They were Jews. They were from the line of Abraham. You're from his line biologically, but not spiritually. Because if you were in line with Abraham, you would believe me, and you don't believe me. So you don't belong to God, but rather you belong to and we'll see who he says they belong to. So let's pick it up in verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Why didn't some people believe? Because they were unable to hear. They did not hear, and there was no room for Christ's word in their life. I want to ask you today, does Christ's word have room in your heart? Are you hearing or are you not hearing? Jesus says you don't believe that I am who I say I am. And the reason, one of the reasons you don't believe is because of someone called the devil. Scripture teaches we have three enemies of the soul. We have our, what's referred to as the flesh, our fallen nature. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made, but because of the fall, we sin. We have a fallen nature. We have certain desires that are not in line with God's will. It's also because of the world, the systems that are all in rebellion against God. And then also, Another enemy of our soul is the devil. And notice what Jesus says. There is a devil. He is, Scripture says, a deceiver. He's an accuser. He's an adversary. He's Satan. He's not, according to Jesus, a figment of our imagination. He's not a myth. He's not a cartoon character. In fact, Jesus says that he is the most influential and powerful creature in the whole cosmos. Three times Jesus refers him to him as the ruler of this world. That behind what we see, there is a spiritual realm, another lens of reality. And if you happen to be here and you say, well, wait a second, I don't believe in a devil. I think that's you know, pre, part of the pre-scientific age. We know better now. The problem with that view and the secular view is that it doesn't account for the evil that we see. It falls so short of that. Some people say the reason there's so much evil in our world is because we lack education. 
if we just got everybody educated, then there wouldn't be evil. D.L. Moody, uh, an evangelism, evangelist from years ago, said this. He said, if a man is stealing nuts and bolts from a railway track, and in order to change him, you send him off to college, at the end of his education, he will steal the whole railway track, right? <laughs> Today, we have uneducated criminals, but we also have educated criminals. Education is wonderful, it's good, but it doesn't touch our heart. It doesn't explain why there's so much evil out there. And then you might say, well, it's socioeconomic in nature. If we just had more wealth distribution, yes, that would be wonderful, like the poor and that we would help them, but that ultimately falls short. Or politics, it's political in nature. If we just had everybody, you know, the right governments in place, then everything would be right. They all fall short of describing evil. Jesus says that when you look at the world around you, realize there's another, another realm that you cannot see. It's a supernatural realm. Paul talks about it and he says to us as followers of Jesus, hey, you need to understand this. For our battle or our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not ultimately you against that person that doesn't like you. No, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, the, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's an evil behind the evil that we see. The devil, according to Jesus, is real. And notice his goal. He was a murderer from the beginning. His goal is destruction. It is ruin. Not just that he wants to ruin the world where they're battling out there, but he wants to ruin you. And that's why we feel this constant tension, not only when we see the world, but in our hearts. We're like, why do I struggle so much? Why can't I be the person I want to be? Because there's a supernatural realm at play. And then notice now, the devil's primary strategy, his primary weapon for bringing you down, for bringing ruin into your life, ruined relationships, ruined health, ruined all of those things. He just wants to bring you down. What is it? Look at, notice what he says. Jesus says that this one, the devil, is a liar and the father of lies. There's no truth in him. So if you are going to live out Jesus' vision for your life, you have to understand that his word is truth, that he is truth, and you've got to use that truth to fight the lies. Your battle, my battle, is a fight for truth over lies. For truth over lies. Now, Jesus refers to a story. He says, you don't belong to me, you belong to the devil, in the line of the devil. You're being lied to. And he refers to a story in Genesis 3. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn back to the beginning after God had made the world and all that is in it good and very good. The devil, the liar, comes into play. So we read in Genesis 3, and I'll be reading the first five verses of the story that Jesus referred to. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it 
or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, just before we talk about these lies, we're talking about a snake. And people, when they, oh, a talking snake. Here we go again. This is a myth. But we have to understand, when we read Scripture, there are different genres of Scripture. Certain ways we read and interpret based on the culture and the speaker who was writing the book. And so this was written 35 or so hundred years ago. We go back to that genre and how they wrote those days, and we realize that what's being communicated to us is that somehow the devil entered the snake, used the snake, that it was a, an earlier personification of the devil. There's discussion around that. But we don't simply laugh it off, there's no snake, because you have to understand the genre. So Jesus is saying he really was back in the garden, and notice how he comes to Eve, and then to Adam as well, but notice how he comes to them. Not with a tank, not with a sword, not saying, okay, I'm here to destroy your life, I want to ruin your life. He comes to them with a what? A lie. What's the first lie we read about? In human history. You will not certainly die. God's not telling you the truth. Three lies he uses, he used then that he uses today. Lies about who God is. You can't trust God. He's lying to you. Then lies about who we are as human beings. If you, and notice he misquotes God at the beginning, and he says, um, oh, did God say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? God didn't say that. God said you can eat from any tree in the garden because he's a God of blessing. Eat from all of these trees. But this one tree that states to you that I'm God and you're not God, yes, you're made in my image, we'll talk about that next week, but you're also made out of dust, that you're not God, but he comes to Eve and he says, listen, when you eat of this tree, if you just follow your desire, you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Yes, they, their eyes were open and they knew good from evil, but they weren't like God. They didn't become like God. They died as a result of their sin. So lies about who God is, lies about who uh, you are, we are, and then lies about what's best for our lives. If you do this, God is, he's holding out on you. He's not generous. You have to follow the desires of your heart. That's all it's about. And he lies about the best life. Now, stop for a moment and just look back at our world and remind yourself that when you look around, that behind what's happening in Russia or China and human rights, what's going on there in Syria, Yemen, Somalia, all of these places around the world, even in the West here, when we talk about um, free speech and being politically correct and about wokeism and about uh, cancel culture, it all has to do with truth and lies. It's all a battle over ideas. And so we not only see it out there, this battle, but if we're honest, we see it within. Because we have a pull to be our own God, to do it our own way and to follow Jesus means all of my desires all that I am all that I want in life I'm subordinating it I'm coming under I'm submitting to his word because he is truth he's the ultimate reality 
So, Lord, I want you to control me. I want you to fill my mind with your truth. And so anything that is not contrary to his word, I bring it under. Oh, as much as I'd like to do this, I'm going to do this. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And over and over again in the Bible, we are warned about false teachers, false teaching, about going the way of the world. In fact, in the Old Testament, um, over and over again, God said to the Israelites, don't join the other people groups, don't join them in worshiping false gods. There was these warnings because if you um, begin to hold to what's called syncretism, it's kind of like, here's God and what he says and, and who he is, and then now here's all the other gods around me. He said that, that syncretism, it leads to assimilation. You're colonized and then you're assimilated into that culture. We see it today. Here's God's word. We don't maybe like certain parts of it. We don't think it makes sense. Maybe God isn't loving. And so we take that and we say, well, not so sure about God's word. And next thing you know, we're down the road believing lies. A.W. Tozer, uh, we're familiar with his quote, but he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's the most important thing about your life. Why? Because your theology affects your anthropology, who you are, which affects your morality, how you live your life. And there is someone in the supernatural realm that's helping you to believe lies. Today we see in our culture that there is no creator, uh, or at best, we can't know if there's a creator. You can be, maybe you're not an atheist, you can be an agnostic. And then what happens next? That leads to, oh, that I'm, I can be God. I can live my own truth. I can do what I want to do. I'm not accountable to anybody, which affects your morality, and you live a certain way. And our young people especially are hearing that the gender and sexuality ethic of the Bible is oppressive. It's not good. You need to do this. And yes, we care for people that are struggling with gender dysphoria, and maybe someone here. And yes, we, we care for our young people, and there's this, this sexual desire that we have, but the world is saying, no, 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 God, that's oppressive. There's something better. And so those things, we hear that again and again. And I will say to our young people, if you look at the evidence, if you look at social research, God's ways are good. We say, there's a creator. And by the way, I was just worshiping a couple of weeks ago when I came across this fact um, uh, of our creator that God has said in his word, I'm here, I'm revealing it to you through my creation, through your human, your DNA, I'm revealing it through my word and ultimately through my son Jesus. But he reveals every day, as Paul says, reveals himself through what we can see, his divine nature, his eternal power. But I came across this, and it's so true, this, this fact about gravity, because when it comes to the truths about gravity, aerodynamics, photosynthesis, they're all connected to our creator, to the ultimate reality. But gravity, um, just a little tidbit of information, gravity, if it was any more or any less, you and I would not be here right now. There'd be nobody alive on planet Earth but yet we live in a solar system that allows us to live. And it's all to do with one of these parameters called gravity. 
gravity is finely tuned to one part in a hundred million, billion, 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 billion. That's a pretty big number. Our minds can't comprehend it. If it was just off just a touch, we wouldn't be here. And so for me to think, huh, it all happened by chance. First, I've got all the philosophical arguments to do with creation. Oh, something coming from nothing, and, and it all just happened by chance. But then I take that one thing, and I add to it about 29 other physical or cosmological parameters. There's about 30 of them that scientists have to date that require precise calibration in order for us to live. So in other words, here's this huge number. It just happened by chance to do with this thing in creation. Oh, and there's something else, and then there's something else, and there's something else. And yet in our culture, when do we hear about this great God and how he's made us? No, we take the... Can't know. God is saying every day to all of us, here's the truth, I'm here. And then he tells us who we are. Do you know, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in his image, but you're also of dust. You're not God. And the best thing you can do for your life is to come under God, because he's a God of love, and follow and obey him. And today we have Christians who struggle from gender dysphoria, who struggle, or not experience sexuality, and they're like, okay, I believe to the sexual, believe the sexual ethic in scripture of, of God. And they're saying, Jesus, you're more important to me than this I'm experiencing, these desires. In a culture that says, hey, if you have any desire, just go that way. There are young people, there are people that are still following Jesus because they know Jesus is the ultimate truth and he's more important to them than anything else and he is more loving than anyone else. So let's talk about your life and my life then. What's, what's really the challenge for us today as we hear these words from Jesus? If I'm going to live out Jesus' vision for my life, if you're going to live out what God has for you, there's a battle you have to fight. It's a battle for truth over lies. And I want to ask you today, are you filling your mind with lies or are you filling your mind with truth? Are you filling your mind with lies or are you filling your mind with truth? How many of you had a parent that said, garbage in, garbage out? Anybody? Okay, this was even back before social media, right? Garbage in, garbage out. And it is true. Our neurobiology confirms that. Psychology confirms that. What goes in, what we give access to our minds affects us. Affects how we behave and who we become. What I believe affects how I behave and it shapes me as to who I will become. Everything that enters our minds affect us for good or evil. So if you're one of the people that say, you know, I can watch shows and, and uh, listen to music and, and I don't have filters because it doesn't affect me, it's not true. It affects all of us in some way. What we give our attention to plays out in our life. So I want to talk for a moment about screens, about televisions, but social media. Because we're hearing a lot of things, a lot of truth, a lot of lies. But I want to ask you this, and by the way, social media is not good or bad. It can be used for either. But I want to ask you, with your social media, is it affecting you so that you become more like Jesus and you resemble him? Or is it affecting you so you become more like the devil? How's social media affecting you? So for example, if you're on Instagram, 
do you find yourself again and again saying, oh, woe is me. I'm not as pretty as her. I'm not as handsome as him. Or I, you know, I can't go there. I can't do that. I'm not that smart. And you begin to feel unworthy that you're no good. That's a lie. That's not Jesus' vision for your life. If you're on Facebook, and you're just with Facebook, and you find yourself filling up with fear because this person says this, and that person says and it's on and on it goes, you're full of fear, that's not Jesus' vision for your life. If you're on Twitter, any Twitter folks here? If you're on Twitter, right? What are you going to be full of after Twitter if you're on just without a filter? You're going to be full of anger. I'm right, everybody else is wrong. Just like culture, that's a polarization, tribes, that's all we see. That can slowly come into the church because we've got Christians who, who are just oblivious to the fact that there's another realm and he wants to take us away from Christ and his vision for our life and away to, to where we are deceived and we look more like him. How are you doing with social media? There are Christians that are saying, you know what, I need to monitor it. I need to have some filters. And I want to encourage you, if it's affecting you for the bad, for the worse, that this week you would think through those filters. And then maybe God is calling you to abandon it altogether. More than one person has said, I'm done with Twitter because it's not good for me. So we need to remind ourselves, garbage in, garbage out. Jesus, I don't want garbage in my life. I don't want to be full of those things. Okay? The evil one is not going to come to you and say, hey, three years from now, I want you full of anger. I want you full of lust. I want you full of greed. I want you full of jealousy, but rather just with a little lie, playing to our desires further and further down the road. Today, would you commit yourself to saying, I want to battle for truth. Jesus, I got to get more into your word. I got to get some promises or verses. That's how you're going to win this battle. So it's realizing you got a battle, but it's saying, Lord, I want to win this battle. You become like the people you spend time with. How they think affects you. And you may not let them into your home, all of these people, but if you're on social media and you're around all of these people, they're affecting you for good or for bad. I'm going to ask you to stand as we take some time to respond. Would you join with me as we pray? And first I want to ask, do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you have life in his name? If you're here today or you're watching online and you have never made a commitment to Jesus, today he is inviting you to himself, that he is what life is about. He is truth. His word is truth. And if God is stirring your heart, even now, the Holy Spirit's working and saying, this is true, Jesus is true, and you want to make a commitment to Jesus, you can do it by simply expressing your heart, saying something like this. God, I believe and acknowledge that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. And God, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins so that I could be forgiven. And God, right now by faith, as best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me, to save me from my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life and to lead me 
And if you just prayed that prayer, would you thank him now? Would you say, thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you that I belong to you. And then, Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be engaged in this battle of fighting truth over lies. And, Lord, you know where we all are. Help us together to care for one another and that we would lead one another to you, the one who is truth. And we pray this in your name.